Welcome to Christmas land. I felt so pathetic up here the other day without my tree. It was after Thanksgiving and I usually have it up. Had to go get it. Got it on Wednesday. We have it here. Our, some of your ornaments have already come in. It looks fantastic. I spent today during Freight Waves Now uh, it, it, annoying the team over there as they filmed because their set's right adjacent to mine as I decorated this thing. Poor, unfortunately, Haley Fazio did not come down here. I had a 60-second challenge for her to unbundle all the lights, but um, I think she passed on that one. I wasn't able to sweeten the pot. But if she did, I may have had a gift for her because I have to thank my benefactor, Aero Swag. They sent me this awesome hoodie. It came in the mail. Super comfortable. Keep me nice and toasty up here. And has my favorite tweet of the year on it. It's from the uh, JOC, the journalist there, who said, most people in logistics and freight and trade are nice people, but serious people. And memeing your way into the industry's consciousness only goes so far with them. Most people need more value than entertainment. What an awesome shirt. What a great message to stand behind. I firmly believe it. All right, man. So this has been a crazy week. There's so much to get into. Like, for example, the Cybertruck drop, and it's been a big week for Elon. For example, he went to the Deal Book Summit, and um, he had some controversial takes. Take a look at this over here. He goes, uh, he goes um, go F yourself to his advertisers. He said, you don't want to work with him. You want to blackmail him. Go F yourself. So I asked the community in Freight, what makes you say, go F yourself? What in your industry drives you up a wall. What makes you say, just stop it? Well, Justin Martin says, memes are dumb. Drage Logistics says, when CBP keeps a container in exam for 21 days and the steamship line doesn't wave to merge. What the truck site says, local news sites talking about the driver shortage. Joe for Senate says, the two-party duopoly. Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of choices out there, does it? Joe, I think he's running too. I'm not sure what, in California. I don't know, look him up. Zay the truck driver says, other truck drivers who leave pee bottles everywhere ensuring that we'll never have anywhere to park again. Hey, take that in, very introspective. Kenadamo, DAT, said any government assessorial schedule and fuel scale, especially DOD, if you know, you know. What the, what the F in a truck <laughs> says, lack of parking, DOT, idiots at all, cheap freight, scamming brokers, uh, and the technology... And driving an automatic. The list is too long. Freight broker guy, detention requests after late check-ins. Max Postival, double brokers. Hey, Max, we're going to be talking about double brokers today. Clara has a list she's making public of double brokers. That'll be cool. Um, Mark Falls Outlaw, no driver restrooms. Maybe that goes back to Zay's tweet, though, about the pee bottles. Adam Wingfield said, guard shack conversation when you're only 10 minutes early to an appointment. Rich Laskowski, phone numbers with Los Angeles area codes. That's another double broker one. Clara, you couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, the People's Dance says dispatchers that don't communicate anything to their drivers or anyone else. Ivan Hernandez, factoring. I just found out I got sold to the highest bidder. Wow, got kicked like a student loan. Anthony Filippo. people keep saying there's a trucker shortage when they couldn't be any further from the truth. Another one about that. Hey, what drives you insane? What makes you say F you? What really pisses you off out there? I want to know. Get it out before the holiday season. Don't take this out on your family. Don't take this out on your friends. Vent. Vent to me. I'm here for it. I got something to vent about. I put a pre-order in on this stupid thing in 2019 when they broke the windows and everything. The Cybertruck was supposed to be $40,000, probably to like jack up the pre-orders because now it's 50% more. They released the prices yesterday at the delivery event. The rear wheel drive entry level Cybertruck is now $60,990. The all wheel drive is going to be $70,990. And the Cyber Beast is going to be nearly $100,000, Big deal. The base model one is expected to have a 250-mile range and accelerates from 0 to 60 in 6.5 seconds. Not terrible. The all-wheel drive one is expected to have a range of 340 miles. One of the things that they're pedaling for these, though, is a range extender. The range extender, the way this thing works is I think it weighs, they didn't put a weight out, but I think it's like 400 to 700 pounds. You have to have it installed professionally by a Tesla service center, and it takes up one-third of the trunk space. Then you put a spare tire in there. It takes up like the other two thirds of the trunk space. So I'm not sure the utility of it. I think they look cool. I can't wait till uh, Matt McClellan over at Covenant gets his so I can take a ride in it. Although if those pre-orders stand with the production numbers, I think there's 1.9 million pre-orders. I think Tesla said they can make, you know, they're going to ramp up to maybe 300,000 of these a year. It's going to be waiting like, you know, five, six years maybe for some of these to come out. But they are going to start rolling off the line in, um, 
2024. So if you've been waiting long enough, you're about to see them. Now, if you want to pre-order it, though, it's no longer 100 bucks; It's 250 bucks. So go over to Tesla.com if you're any interested. And before we get to our guests, I got to give a shout-out to Covenant. Um, any office out there, if you ever play What the Truck in your office, take a picture, send it to me. Always happy to give a shout-out to you. This is the Covenant team over there. This is Matt and the CFO. They always watch What the Truck in the office. And, uh, hey, thank you, guys. And, Matt, you have to. You're often a co-host on this show. So thank you for your support. All right, today on the show, we got some awesome stuff. We got Flexport's Bill Driggert. We're going to find out where Flexport is going in trucking. If you remember, they picked up Convoy's Tech. But that wasn't their big acquisition. Well, it was a big one, but another big one was Bill Driggert himself. He's from Uber Freight. He was one of the founders over there. Now he's over at Flexport. Now he's trying to make them a big player in trucking over the road. We'll find out what they're doing and how that's all going to work. We got green screen AI's Kevin Coombs, the biggest Eagles fan in freight. He's coming to the table to talk about automated billing, climbing the Freight Tech 25, there's been doing business in U.S. and China, losing bets. We'll find out all about it from him. Um, We've got trucking author Ben McCauley. He's got a new trucking tome, Read When Safe. McCauley tells us all the timeless lessons he's learned on the road and all the weird stuff he's seen while he's been out there. It's a great book. I've been listening to the audiobook myself on Audible, but you can get that one on Amazon. We have Kara Sources, Kara Flaherty. She's going to dish out on Chicago's best pizza. She's going to reel her latest list of double brokers. And she's got some marketing tools for carriers trying to drive some revenue, get your name out there. Maybe she can help you. But let's get to it. Kevin is here. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at Green Screens AI. It was about a month ago I saw you in person, Kevin. And uh, I didn't see you wearing your favorite football player's jersey, but you look great in that Hurts shirt. Throw me out of the bus before I can even defend myself. I, <laughs> in the intro. I'm in the back. I'm backstage. I just got to take it. Yeah, we do. We have Jalen Hurts on today. So what happened? Tell us what happened here. So you made an, you did, was this an office bet? Was this a freight related bet? What, what occurred here? Cause you're a Kansas city guy. Right? Well, you're not really, yeah, you're not really an Eagles fan. No. Yes. I'm a massive chiefs fan. Die hard going way back. Um, but no, it, it actually started last year with the Super Bowl. So uh, Don Salvucci, Favier, our CEO is a huge Eagles fan. And uh Last year at the Super Bowl, her and Trey Griggs and I made a bet that if the Eagles won, we would wear Eagles jerseys after the Super Bowl on an interview or a podcast. And she, if not, she would have to wear Mahomes, a Chiefs jersey, on an interview. So obviously the Chiefs won, as we all know. Um, and she did make good on her bet. She wore her Mahomes jersey on an interview. And so uh, this year for the Monday Night Football game, Dawn actually came in town with her daughter, Allie, both huge, again, uh, Eagles fans. And we made another bet, which I lost. And well, so here I am. It's very respectable that you're making good on it, and you've you've taken some of my ribbing here. Uh, let me ask you: Is Green Screens based out of Kansas City? We're we're based out of everywhere. Um, yeah. We're no, we're about entirely remote as you can be. Um, technically, our company's based out of Fort Pierce, Florida. That's our PO box and where everything the mail goes. But uh, we have now um, 45 total employees uh, covering 13 states, 14 states. I got to get my numbers right. And then we actually have a development team over in Lithuania. That's an office over there. And then we have some developers in various countries. Bali, we have a developer in Bali. So we are very global and very domestic. We, you know, <laughs> we run... We run in some of the same circles. I, I was looking in your background. You used to work at Carrier Direct, now known as Metaphor. So you must know like Ryan Schreiber and Peter Rentschler and those guys. I do. I do. I do very well. Uh, Peter actually started uh, about a year and a half after I started Carrier Direct. So we got to know each other pretty well, sat next to each other in the office. That was a lifetime ago. I feel like it was years ago. But um, yeah, I was there pretty early on when they first got the company get, uh, going. At well, and well, then Green Screens hires you, and it only takes two years of you being with the company to, to rise, to ascend to number five on the Freight Tech 25. Show this picture right here. That's the screen from the event where Kevin was. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you, how did you climb the ladder? What's, what's working in Freight Tech right now? I think the biggest thing for us, I mean, in terms of making the Freight Tech 25 and, and what we've done the last couple of years is um, listening to our customers. <laughs> I know that sounds so cliche, but it, 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 I think with the, the, the market, we kind of caught lightning in a bottle, right? After COVID and all the supply chain issues and everything that happened with rates and the market volatility. Um, you know, we were developing an AI pricing tool very specific to each customer. So it's modeled for each customer, each broker, 3PL. It, it's, it's specific to their business, their freight, their characteristics. 
And I think um, that helped tremendously, right? Because the market got tough. It got very, very difficult to price freight um, with the volatility. And uh, so a lot of the development we've done in the last two years is, is really customer feedback. We had some great pilot customers with NFI, um, RDS, Gulf Relay that helped us really build the technology. But as we've grown, we've gone from, I think, eight or nine customers when I got here to 150 plus now today. And I think a lot of that was just the feedback we've gotten from them. And as we've grown and developed the, the technology, it's, it's just gotten better and better. I think transparency is another thing for us. It's huge openness. We have a lot of conversations with our customers around the data, the accuracy, the results, all of that. Um, and that's been a, a huge uh, plus for us with our customers, because I think traditionally in freight tech, that hasn't been as big of a, a thing. People have been like, well, it works. Just trust us. Just use it. Right. So like trying to fit a solution into someone else's uh, paradigm that just may not fit. Mm -hmm. so exactly. What, exactly. What are those customers saying? Like, it's awesome that you, they're your North Star. They're guiding you. But like, what were they guiding you with? Like, for example, in automated bidding? Yeah, I think specifically with the the automation, right, and the speed of the market and getting to market faster, it's 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 really about making it the process simpler, right? Being able to take a butt, a butt, put it in a seat, and let them price freight, right? It's difficult. It's always been traditionally been difficult to price freight. It takes you know twelve to eighteen months to to train somebody up where you feel really comfortable that you don't need a manager looking over their shoulder to to you know do carrier sales or do customer sales to make sure that you're getting the right margins and you're getting the right the right loads uh, carriers unloads. Um, so I think that's been a huge thing for us, keeping it simple, delivering to where the customer is, getting integrations done with partnerships. Um, the automation piece has obviously been huge. Uh, you know, you mentioned Bill and Flexport. Um, Flexport's actually a customer of ours. Uh, but Convoy, Uber, the, the companies that came out in the digital freight world, you know, love them or hate them. They really drove this speed to market concept that has, I think, changed for freight forever in terms of the brokers in the 3PL market, um, we've kind of always likened it to like the late 80s, early 90s when stockbrokers went from like, you know, phones to the internet and started transacting online instead of on paper. Um, I think we've, we're getting to that point. I don't think we're there yet, but it's kind of driven this idea that you need to bid automatically, quickly on spot freight in the market. Um, you need to respond faster to RFPs. And so we've really made that a point of emphasis for us to make it easy for a broker to quickly take green screens and start quoting freight faster or integrating it into like an automated bidding platform and then immediately sending out quotes to a bid board for a large shipper. Like what has some of that feedback been from those customers that has caused that's helped you evolve green screens? Like what were some of the early issues in automated bidding that you had to face and how did you overcome those? Yeah, I think the difficult piece in any of that with the automation is accuracy and reliability because the market is so volatile. I mean, anybody that's listening, any of your audience knows this. I, I'm preaching to the choir, but it's just that the market can shift on you so fast. Capacity can change. Um, you know, different freight is going to have different instances where, uh, you know, pricing a load of scrap metal versus a pricing, a load of uh, electronics for Samsung are going to be wild, wildly different rates, right? Even if you're still moving from Chicago to Dallas, you need to understand the concept and the context behind that freight to be able to quickly and accurately price it. And so for us with the AI and the machine learning piece, I mean, that's been, that's been the driving force behind that is, is identifying those data points and those models for each customer individually, right? Because we build a model for each broker that is specific to them using all the data we have, but specific to their characteristics when predicting pricing. That's a huge piece of it because if you take the automated bidding piece, for example, um, there's a lot of good companies out there that were on the freight tech list, right? Hub tech, Freightway, or uh, AVRL, um, Bitfreighter, uh, you know, speed to quote some others. They are handling the, what do I want to bid on? and why, right? I don't want before 8 a.m. pickups. I don't want after 5 p.m. pickups on a Friday, you know, and then we're kind of bringing in that, um, the rating component of that. Okay, well, here's the characteristics I do want. What do I price this freight at? And without taking that all into account uh, and all those variables, which there's hundreds of them, if you start looking at market data with capacity and fuel and other things, 
Um, it's pretty impossible to win in this market with the automation and the speed without having that taken into effect. And really, the only thing that can do that is AI and machine learning. A human being can't can't do that. A computer can, though. How do you make it so it can like I like I've worked I've sold freight before I've been in places and like all these brokerages I was in these three PLs they were like a mishmash of like SOPs tribal knowledge Jim over uh, you know in the cubicle over there knows that account and like all these exceptions and like weird knowledge it seems like it would be kind of a nightmare to make a computer understand all of that understand all those exceptions how do you make sure that it's accurate and we don't get like some of the results that we were getting with like. I don't know, like ChatGPT3, where it would, you know, if you didn't know the answer to the question, it seemed really smart. But if you asked it something you actually knew, you'd be like, oh, wait a second, this is a party trick. Right, yeah. It's funny that you bring up the large language models, right, with like ChatGPT, because the difference with ChatGPT and like what we do from an AI machine learning perspective is that ChatGPT, actually Mark Andreessen said this best, so I'm just going to steal his thing. Uh, on a podcast I was listening to, Mark Andreessen talked about, um, if you know Andreessen Horowitz, he's the Netscape founder, helped find, found the modern internet. Now he's a huge investor. He basically said, chat GPT and large language models, he's like, it's the, it's the most purest form of love. He's like, all they want to do is make you happy, even if it's the wrong answer. They want to give you the answer that you want, right? So if you don't prompt it correctly, if you don't give it the right information and the right model for what you want, it's just going to give you an echo chamber, right? It's going to try to feed you the answer that you're looking for which won't always be the right answer. And so the way that we work with prediction models and like mixed models, machine learning and building the data sets and the filtration is probably, you know, th that is the key piece of it uh, is being able to identify the data that should be in training the AI to make predictions, identify what should be excluded. And that changes for every customer, right? Because certain market effects, uh, certain load data, certain information for one customer may not be the right information for another customer. Because to your point, right, the load characteristics can be different. There could be hundreds of variables. The beauty of AI is that um, it can actually multitask, which humans can't actually do. So we can take billions and billions of data points, feed it through the model, and let it learn, train the algorithm to make the predictions, and then make all the adjustments it needs to make for all those conditions, and then go back and, and make a prediction. What we then do, though, is it's not just, hey, it worked, or you know, it, it trust it. We go back and measure it, right? You got to take the load data then that was booked after those predictions were made, match those back up, and see how close the AI came. So it's kind of a reward function in that, too. It's not trying to give you the answer you want, it's trying to give you the right answer by getting closer to the bullseye is the way we describe it, right? So the closer that it gets, it knows those things worked. And then it's going back and analyzing based on those models. So really the, the proof in the pudding there is it's not just turn it on, let set it and forget it. It's 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 you gotta continue to train it. It's a it's a it's a continual process of, of making sure that it's improving, that it's reacting to the market. Interesting. So you don't want the personality of a golden retriever in your AI. And uh, the, the thing about multitasking hit me because like, it, like I always tell my wife, she should make me have to fill out like a CAPTCHA if I'm agreeing to anything and I'm like in the middle of something else. Because like I will have, she'll be like, no, oh, you agree? My wife never to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, honey, yeah. make me fill out a CAPTCHA so that you can know that I'm actually paying attention to what you just told me right now. Yeah. I agree to something that I didn't realize I was agreeing to. We're almost out of time, but I had a question for you. You've operated in both, you've worked in both China in the USA. What is your biggest takeaway from working in China that's different from the US? Like, what is your advice if someone's entering that market? Ooh, entering the Chinese market? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, it's, 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 just, it's just a different business process in China, right? So I actually owned a company over there for two years uh, in joint with a couple other guys that I went to school with in college. And uh, it's very, you know, we're, we think we're very relationship driven in this, this world, and especially in this industry. And we are in a certain way, but there's a lot more regulation here in terms of the rules, right? In terms of what you can leverage those relationships for and how, and how you can uh, formulate business around those, right? With anti-competitive practices, things like that. China doesn't have much of that. Um, they do, they claim to, um, and you don't want to get too close to the flame over there uh, because you can get in trouble. But uh, the relationship piece is the paramount piece over there. They call it guanxi is what it's referred to in China, which literally means like, like relationship or network. Um, and guanxi is, is, is like the key business practice. So who do you know? Who can they introduce you to? Uh, people want to do business with people that they know 
they would rather take an inferior product with someone they know versus taking a superior product that's maybe new to the market or somebody that they don't know. So it's, it's actually very hard to get started over there because of that. So you need good Chinese partners. You need good Chinese connections to get moving. And the other piece of those connections too is that you need to have an understanding of the business culture so that you don't get in trouble, right? So you don't get too close to the flame, if you will. Um, you need to have somebody that's going to stop, uh, you know, stop you and say, don't do that <laughs> or don't say those things. Like we had some business meetings that we walked out of with our, we had a really good Chinese partner, uh, that was part of our business. And he was like, wow, you guys really blew that one. And we had no <laughs> idea what was going on. <laughs> right? like, like, what did we do wrong? Like we just, that's negotiation. And he's like, no, no, you should have just done this and this. So it's definitely difficult. Um, and I think it's only gotten worse with the political climate and the trade climate. So, yeah, but it's uh, I'll start with the Guanxi. Guanxi, 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 yeah. Guanxi. Kevin, I love it. Kevin, you, you've, you've imparted some great knowledge on us. If people want to reach out to you, fellow Eagles fans, they want to talk about the Dirty Birds, where do I send them to? Uh, you can could, you could reach out to uh, the company at greenscreens.ai. It's right on the screen. That's our logo. That's our website. It's good marketing. Um, but you could also reach out to me through LinkedIn or my Twitter at Kevin Coombs, exactly how it's spelled. I'm always down to network, meet people, talk to people, um, help people out, you know, so, uh, love our industry, love the ability that we have to in it to network and work together. There's a lot of co-opetition, which is really cool that you don't get in other industries. So Kevin, yeah, thank you so much, man. You have a happy holidays. Thanks for stopping by the show today. It was great to have you, you too, on. man. Have a happy holidays. You too. I'll see you soon, dude. Little cow buff. You take it easy. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, take a look at this. I want to do this. So when when Bill comes up, I got to pitch this to him. I think that Bill, Ryan Peterson, Craig Fuller, and myself need to go out to this place, and we need to just start ramming the crap out of shipping containers with the tank. I mean, look how fun. The, he hasn't even done the fun part yet. Watch the treads here. He's going to tear through this entire damn thing. NV guy said, I wanted to drive over a Freightliner, and I had a shot at it at drivetanks.com. They said I could shoot it, but not drive over it. Uh, Michael Schutter said, this is so metal. I agree. Bill Hell, America. What has gotten into What is in there? I think it's about three thousand dollars to do this. Cut it out. Stop. Stop. I said. Jeez. So we're gonna just do a quick damage assessment to see if there's any damage. So there's so damage. What, the this looks reliable on camera, but we've actually had some slight issues. You keep driving it into the woods. So fun. Awesome. Hey, Bill, what do you think? Bill Drieger, by the way, he's the EVP head of North America at Flexport. It's 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 so weird for me to say. Flexport, because I'm so used to you being with uh, being with Uber Freight. But what do you think? Should we go ride a tank and, and and like we could put a Flexport logo on a container, or we could put a competitor of yours on the container, and we could just destroy the hell out of it? Yeah, that looks awesome. Do they have more than one? Can we like race them and you know drift I, them I, around? And I think they do. So it's in Texas. It's someplace in Texas, and you can go like totally nuts and and do stuff like this. And you know, I think Ryan may be into it. I know he's over in Beijing. I, I follow him on Twitter. And I've been talking to him a lot lately, and your drum kit came up because it turns out the Petersons are not only fans of What the Truck, but they're also fans of gongs. And they've been singing the gong activity, and I think that, you know, Ryan and Olga have gotten a little bit jealous seeing how much fun we've been having banging it. And I heard they're considering either bringing a gong to Flexboard HQ or an entire drum kit for you. Yeah, I think a drum kit would be, would be great. we got to do that. At least a cowbell, like a cowbell and a gong. We'll always need more cowbell. Right. Do you get over? Do you get over to the office there? You look like. Are you in your house right now, or do you have a nice little like study within Flexport? No, this is. Uh, yeah, this is home. Um, it looks like home. Yeah, get. I was in the office yesterday. We get to the office pretty often. Yeah, just down in San Francisco. Bill, by the way, we have a real quick clip. I know you. I don't. I know you don't have the. Key. What's that? No, I said. I said there's probably space for drum kit though. Although I'll tell you a story. I went to the Airbnb office once, and they had a, they had a little room with the drum kit, and uh, I tried to play. I was a guest, so I tried to play the drum kit, and they just got everybody got pissed. Right yeah, there. they're like, I can't play the drum kit during the middle of the day. Well, so. you didn't piss me off when you played yours. In fact, uh, a few years ago, you came on what the truck. We have a quick clip so we can at least see Bill in action. Take a look at this hitting the hitting the skins 
on his kit. Last Christmas, as I told you, Bill, I got my kids their own digital kit. Now they still rock. They're getting at it right. I have an issue with the headphones, though. I got to fix, like, the module that's on there. There's a lot of static coming through it, so it's a little annoying to use at the moment. We can drop that, though. But, Bill, you were crushing it. You were you were killing it. And you know what? It's so... It's it's so wild because there's so much news this year and, and you know you had convoy come up and so much going on in DFBs and you know Flexport had their news and one of like the stories that stuck out to me was you joining the team. How did you end up over at Flexport? Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting story because um you know I spent six years, eight months at Uber Freight, it was an incredible journey. I was like uh Uber for Freight is a theme throughout my career, going back to like 2012, that uh the opportunity to do it at Uber was amazing. And that was an incredible journey. Uh, but uh, Flexport reached out and uh, it was clear there was an opportunity to take that tech farther into new modes like Dreyage. It's a global company. The scope of the problem that Flexport's uh, uh, going after was so interesting and compelling to me. Also, just the team, like Ryan and, and what the team had built over there was was very compelling. I'll also say the mission of Flexport, too, overlaps with the belief statement that I've always had. And the, the mission is make global commerce so easy there's there will be more of it and i've always had this internal belief statement that freight should be easy and we make it easy through tech uh, and it was just such a compelling opportunity to be able to come over and just take that journey a little farther now clearly flexport's in a very different space but they have a significant volume of, of trucking and, and truckload uh, they do of course a ton of drayage associated with the, the nvocc business uh, and that's a space where there hasn't been quite as much penetration of the model uh, but also it was clear all their shippers had trucking needs, had truckload needs, uh, and there was an opportunity to just take that farther. And it was also one of those where it was clear I knew how to make it better and I knew what I could do and come in and, and improve it and how we could just take that tech a little bit farther. So, you know, I've worked for a few global trade 3PLs and they were all of them were, were somewhat deficient in their own way in capturing the truckload market. Like we were really good at booking boxes. We we're really good at compliance. But for some reason, yeah. well, I asked one of the companies I was with because they did own a trucking company for a little while and they lost a lot of money having assets. So they're like, well, assets cost a lot, of, a lot of money, so we're not in it. And I think that that's sort of like the zeitgeist that a lot of 3PLs have. They're like, we just don't touch trucking. So they have a couple partners and they throw everything off there. But like I knew about trucking. I'm like, man, I feel like we're losing a lot of money. We're losing a lot of capture. Um, how are you going to fix that over at like Flexport? What are you doing now to increase that, uh, that growth and, and getting those um, overseas, those international shippers who are bringing stuff to the U.S. to start having Flexport? Export pull it. Yeah, it's it takes a different type of thinking with trucking. Uh, trucking is, you know, in ocean, you've got a much smaller set of providers. Uh, typically, too, the largest shippers will work with the ocean liners directly. There's a lot of just differences in how you go to market, but also differences operationally. And that's, that's I think, why I would say most forwarders probably struggle with it, is that if you bring ocean thinking to it, to trucking, um, you're not going to end up with as much of a capability in the sense that you know, on the ocean side, the, your average transaction, like between pickup and delivery is typically, you know, 20 plus days as where in trucking, it's the same day. It's a higher frequency service. Uh, shippers typically use multiple carriers versus a single, you know, just a handful of, of ocean liners and NVOCC. So the, there's so many small differences that I think you have to work through. So a lot of my focus, even just right out of the gate was, um, working through systems or processes that had maybe been built in a way that was a little more ocean centric and just bringing a little more truckload thinking into that. Uh, you know, when I say truckload thinking coming from a broker background, it's very much, you know, there's a lot of hustle and dollar focus and really transaction by transaction, uh, operational focus that you bring uh, from a broker. And I think just instilling that, but also just building the system so that they're more responsive so that we can have better tracking. We're more directly integrated. Uh, you have to just, there's a lot of little differences and some of them are subtle, but some of them, you know, coming in as a trucking person right away, you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of, that appears to be ocean thinking because here's probably a better way to do it where you know, we, we can directly integrate with the carrier as an example and just get those get updates immediately. And there's, there's little nuanced differences that we're working through one by one. Dude, uh, even that's the also what well, I was gonna say, even the word tariff, like if you say tariff to like a customs broker or a guy on the global 3PL side, they think you're talking about an HTS number. If you say tariff to a trucking guy, he thinks you're talking about like a set trucking rate. Even like even the same words we use are subtly different. And it confused me like so much when yeah. I went on the other side. And I'm like, there's so many acronyms. And yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, rate cards and NACs and things that just you don't think about on the truckload side. And then when you translate them, you're like, OK, well, you know, OK, now I understand. But yeah, there's a lot of that. 
uh, just learning the terminology, uh, learning the operating mode, uh, where there's all these little subtle differences. And then they bleed into the modes. So, you know, kind of the ocean thinking and how the ocean liners work then bleeds into how drayage operates. In some ways, uh, you have to question that. Like, does that actually make sense? Or is that just because, you know, that's how the ocean liners typically think about it? There's a lot of those areas of opportunity. So speaking of opportunity, um, unfortunate story this year, Convoy, you know, is a very tough market. Uh, venture capital markets, a lot of venture capital markets weren't spending money. A lot of uh, shippers weren't spending money. A lot, of, a lot of people who wanted to move freight weren't spending money. Convoy found themselves in a, in a bad spot. However, that created an opportunity for Flexport to look at that and say, hey, we've worked with Convoy before. We've partnered with them on tech. Maybe it's a good idea to pick up their tech stock. How, how did that come together, that, that whole Convoy deal that they're now, that they're now part of you? Yeah, we learned about the news the same time as everybody else. But uh, Ryan and I both had prior relationships with Dan. Uh, I've had a you know, ton of respect for Dan and what they built. And uh, we got into conversations right away and just said, you know, okay, what, you know, how can we help here? What can we do? Um, you know, I knew, of course, I knew the tech at Uber Freight. We spent most of our time like going head to head with Convoy. I mean, it's, that's always been the narrative, right? Uber Freight and Convoy uh, kind of changing the market and driving this digital change. So, I knew there was incredible value in what they'd built. And I also knew it'd be a shame if there wasn't a ch like a next chapter to this. So we reached out, we were able to work through a deal. I think uh, throughout that process, it was, it's very clear that, you know, Dan and then the convoy team wanted nothing more than to see like this tech go into safe hands, find a next life, like find the next opportunity. You know, it's unfortunate how all this uh, unwound, but uh, you know, now of course, like in my own journey, I've got a very privileged view of having kind of seen how the, the two leading players in this market operate. And having been able to look into the convoy tech and it is they built some amazing stuff and that team should be like incredibly proud of how far they came i think how it unwound you know eventually that story will be told but uh regardless like there's a, a ton of gold in there there's a ton of great tech that they built there absolutely is a business we can build within there um we're deep into that process now and it's uh it's incredibly motivating i think the team too is just you know, very excited to just find, like repackage this, refocus it, uh, find that next life. Uh, but, you know, you just had Kevin on talking about um, like pricing a lot. There's a lot of uh, ways that Convoy and Uber Freight and others have moved this market and shifted it forward. And, you know, behind that, there's just so much investment, things like pricing, bidding capabilities, real time, you know, all the marketplace tech, you know, the, the matching capabilities and the, the load building and, and all those pieces that, um, They've just made such significant investments and really, I'd say, are at a level beyond anyone else in the market, right? And just have, and it, again, it's, there's going to be a second life for this tech and I'm, we're pretty excited to be able to, to, to push that. So what's like the road now with that? And, and by the way, shout out to Dan, uh, Dan Lewis. Anybody, if you'll notice something, when that story came out, the people who are very reticent to just sort of like dunk and, and say mean things about the company are people who know Dan. Like we know how hard that team and that company yeah. had worked at what they'd done. Now it's a part of your ecosystem. So what happens now? How, do you, how, do you, how does this help your customers? How does it enhance what Flexport does? Yeah, so our near-term focus is getting the, the platform turned back on. So one of the things that we did right out of the gate was reach out to uh, customers that had worked with convoy and say hey would you you know would you want to turn the did you see value in the tech would you turn it back on uh is it uh you know you know where, where's your head at and we got a lot of very positive responses and we we're already deep into those conversations and some into the you know deep into the, uh, the process of getting that back on so now it's for us um you know we we just bought the tech so we've got to rewire everything in the back end make sure that uh, and you know make sure we can flip the switch and turn it back on and of course the the shipments stopped the carriers you know, we've got to bring all the carriers back online. We've got to kind of basically restart it from zero, but we've got all the tech to do that. Now we have a, a lot of advantages. It's such a unique problem too. I don't think there's, I'm, I've, I've tried to go back and see if there's similar situation has ever ha happened where you had a company stop and you're basically turning the platform back on and bringing all the shippers and carriers back onto the platform. Um, and I can't find another analogy, uh, but you can imagine, right, the challenge because now, the customers, by and large, the majority of them are willing to come back, but but now we've also got to bring the carriers back on. We've got to, um, you know, the, we we we've hired about fifty of the team uh, from Convoy, but we've got to make sure we've got the team to be able to, to kind of get, kick it back into gear. And we're deep into that process now. So, uh, you know, next year we will have this this back online. Uh, we'll be uh, moving customer freight again. Uh, we are looking at the in terms of how we're bringing it back to market. 
I'm also trying to be a lot more thoughtful about where does that tech really add value with which carriers, with which shippers. Let's make sure that we tr focus in those areas where we know that there's gold, where we know that there's a, a real business and we can kind of build on top of that. And that's our focus right now. And then to expand, certainly we see opportunities within our own ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of crossover, I think, in terms of just topology and, and of network with, with Dreyage. Convoy had a lot of success as an example in the LA Basin with short and regional halls. And we have a lot of drayage volume in the LA Basin as an example with, with very short you know, regional halls. And if you think about the profile of, of the freight and the profile of the driver, like there's clearly some cross-dispatch opportunities as we go down this path. And that's that's what I'm excited about too, is where these the networks overlap. And then with our existing Flexport customers, they almost, you know, everyone I talk to has truckload needs. Uh, and these are customers that are in our ecosystem, uh, be it a transload truckload or, or straight truckload out of their, one of their facilities, they have those needs. And that's what's, that's interesting and exciting as well. But we're also taking a more open approach because we do work with third parties today. We do work with other brokers. I don't see that changing. Uh, I think this is about how we take that tech and really focus it where it adds value and where it doesn't, let's find best in class partners to, to work with uh, and push that ball forward. Cause, um, again, we don't. Uh, we want to make sure that we're really zeroing in on where the tech, uh, we know it adds value and where we have golden opportunities with customers, more customers, we're really seeing that value. Well, hey, Bill, good luck to you. Good luck to Ryan, Olivia, Dan, that whole Flexport team and family. You all have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, a happy new year. I'm really excited to see in 2024 how this develops. We'll catch up with you in a few months and see where you've gotten down the road and, and how you've built this stuff. But in the meantime, people want to reach out to you. Where do I send them, Bill? Uh, Flexport.com. And enough. if uh, <laughs> yeah, Flexport.com. Yeah, a lot more to come. Look, look forward to getting back on the show uh, in the new year. Cool, man. Well, Bill, take it easy. Great. Thanks, Tim. Take care. I mean, hopefully, and hopefully we can get that thing together where we are, where we take that tank out. In the meantime, elsewhere. <laughs> Daily Dan says in skateboarding, that's called a Smith grind. <laughs> Daniel Pickett says pretty slick rail grind. Adam Newman's chief of staff says, bro thought he was in Tony Hawk, bro skater. The OC Patriot. I can shoot that rail. Trucker, hold my beer. David Carmelo Garcia said, this happened in Monterey, Mexico, close to Ford Logistics headquarters. Thank God we did not book that truck. <laughs> and uh, someone said, hey, that that's a real drop and hook. Crazy. I don't know. I wonder when I get to uh, we get to read when safe a little bit later if you've seen anything like that on the road. But right now, we got to go over to Chicago talk to Clara Ferret Flaherty, she's a co-founder and head of growth over at Carrier Source. What is up, Clara? I've been thinking a lot about Chicago. My kid last night, it was his birthday, he wanted to watch Home Alone again. I think it's like the fifth time this season we've watched it. I love Home Alone. That's such a classic Chicago movie. It is. That house is, uh, I was looking it up on, on Redfin. I think it's estimated at like 2.3 million now. It sold for 1.5 million in, in like 2012-ish, 2013. And it sold for, uh, in 1989, right before the movie, it sold for 875,000. I'm honestly surprised it isn't marked higher. Like, I feel like someone out there, like a big Home Alone fan, would pay a bunch of money for to live in that house. By the way, we got to settle a debate here. Who has the best pizza in Chicago? Because I remember last time I had a carrier source person on, you guys sent me like a bunch of pizzas from Lou's. That was, yeah. So Rob, used, Rob, my coworker, used to work at Lou's. So he has a affinity for that, for that pizza chain, which I respect that, like respect the loyalty. Um, but Pequod's is for sure the best deep dish pizza in Chicago. There's there's just no question. There's no debate. And <laughs> I'm not taking any questions. <laughs> okay, so I got got to go. I haven't been so I can't like counter I can't counteract. But next time in Chicago, I'll put that on uh, my checkout list. I got screwed when I went there. I ordered a pizza at the bar and I thought it was going to be a deep dish. And they brought and like all my friends had deep dish and, they, and I got like a uh, crack like the cracker thin crust one. It was like. I almost cried. It was hair. It was yeah. horrible. <laughs> Especially because you wait for it for so long and the anticipation yeah. builds up. Like 50 minutes of just like start. And I starved <laughs> myself too because you know you're eating a giant ass pizza and like it's it's going to fill you up. Like you just ate a giant stack of pancakes. So yeah, I was starving and I got my cracker and then the people I was with made fun of me. They're not around. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> hey, you've been, you guys have been sort of naming and shaming double brokers over at Carrier Source. We've been publishing a list of double brokers. Tell me about this. Yeah, so we, about three months ago, I think our first version of it was published in September. Um, we just were seeing all the fraud and we were like, okay, how can we, how can our platform uh, really help? And 
our whole thing is transparency. Um, like, like Kevin was talking about earlier, like we really want to bring transparency to logistics. We want everybody to be having these open conversations. Um, so we started publishing these lists of flag double brokers, which are people who have been carriers who have been flagged as double brokering by the brokers and shippers that are using our platform to write reviews. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, we're kind of like that Yelp for trucking companies. So it's an open site, open database, and people can come in, write reviews of carriers that they've worked with, good and bad, um, and just giving that that feedback to them in a, in a public place. And then the carriers can come in and respond to those reviews. So these lists that we have, we've been releasing to, to really help highlight, here's the public people that we know are double brokering. And it's been interesting to see since we've released these lists, like a lot of companies have closed that have been flagged on these lists because they were double brokers. You know, the companies that have like eight flags of double brokers, okay, they eventually stopped doing business because so many people saw that they were doing this. Um, so it's been, it's been, uh, it's been interesting for sure. Oh, wow. So uh, before we get into who some of these double brokers were, I'm curious, when you have a rating site like this, there's always like a, a bad bias, right? You're always going to have people who were angry about something that are going to write reviews first and people that were super happy. How do you sort of like average that out? For sure. So we, I, my background is in reviews. I come from a company called G2, which is like the Yelp for software and then came into carrier source. So reviews is where is really where, you know, my, my background lies. And we take the moderation of the reviews super seriously. So when people are writing reviews, we don't approve them unless we can verify a, are you who you say you are? And B, have you worked with this company? So we ask for some kind of screenshot of redacted rate con emails between you and the carrier, something like that to kind of prove that you've, you've had this experience you speak to. Um, we do get a lot of like very angry or very happy reviews, but I think in any review site that kind of happens and it all averages out to that star rating, um, which is what people, people generally look at. And we've, we've had a lot of conversations with carriers who are like, okay, I have this one bad review. What do I do about it? And it's like, Hey, negative reviews are not necessarily a bad thing. Like, especially I'm doing all my Christmas shopping right now. I'm looking on Amazon. I don't trust the products that have five-star ratings only. You know, I trust you know, the 4.7 or the 4.8 um, because that shows they're not, they're not gaming their reviews. They have at least a couple negative ones because people are unreasonable and they're going to leave some negative reviews, you know? No, that, that makes sense. So do, do you have like, when you say you look at these reviews of people who are flagged to be double brokers, are, are there any like really bad offenders on there? Like, well, who are you seeing on this list? Are they are the same names popping up over and over again? Is, is it constantly growing? Yeah, it is constantly growing. We get about 30 new carriers every month that are flagged as double brokers. Um, part of what we're trying to do is, is really open everything up. So the list is public. Uh, you can find it on our blog, on our website if you sign up. Um, carriersource.io. Uh, you don't even need to sign up to to read the to read the list, and it's 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 public for everybody out there. So we have 592 carriers um, that have been publicly wow. flagged for for double brokering on that list, and and we intend to keep growing that and keep sharing that. Um, but then we also create a mechanism for carriers to reach out to us, and you know we are a team of humans moderating reviews, so we know that we're not perfect, so we're inviting the community into that conversation. So carriers can report reviews if they're like. I never worked with this broker. Here's the proof that I have. And then we can take another look at it, take a deeper look, reach back out to that broker, be like, hey, we're getting this feedback. Do you have anything additional that you can add? Um, so we're really trying to create that conversation. Very, very interesting. So did, did they ever reach, did some of these named double brokers ever like reach out to you with like angry letters or, or to try to appeal? Is there like a process to this? There is. So every carrier can can report reviews, whether even we've also had some carriers reporting positive reviews that they get, which I'm like, why would you do that? But but OK, good honesty. Um, so they can report reviews and then our team goes in and takes a second look. We definitely have had people reach out, not a ton, because turns out a lot of the double brokers don't care about their image on the Internet. Um, so not a ton of people have reached out about the negative reviews that they have. Um, but when we do, we we definitely do our due process to make sure that we feel we can strongly stand behind the review that we have posted on our site. Interesting. One of the things you mentioned to me in a DM, too, is that you're working on helping carriers with their marketing. Where are carriers, like I have a lot of opinions on this, but where do you think carriers are most deficient in their marketing and, and how can you help them? I think that for, I mean, I think that there's a there's a baseline that that a lot of companies are, are not hitting. And I think especially with all the fraud that is happening, 
a lot of brokers and shippers are turning to Google and Googling companies and, and trucking companies just aren't coming up. Um, so what we're trying to do is create that, that base online presence that every carrier, regardless of size or resources to market can have. So we've created a profile for every single carrier with their safety and insurance information. They can gather reviews for free. They can put in their truck types, shipment types, their preferred lanes, the states they operate in, um, a description of their company, a logo, just creating this, this one landing page for carriers. Um, and we're, we're providing that for everybody. And they can come in, claim that page for free, gather reviews, really start, um, start vamping their online presence. Um, on top of that, we do offer additional marketing features if they're interested in having someone else do their marketing for them. So we can make them a website within, you know, six hours. We can uh, create a truck capacity email. So we every Monday, we email out to our audience of brokers and shippers where our customers are looking for freight that week. Um, we advertise their profile across all of Carrier Source, and then they can use the reviews that they're gathering on Carrier Source offsite. So they can put it in their email signature. If they have their own website, they can put reviews onto that, all of that stuff. So we're really just trying to create, create help them create a brand and help them create a, a, a landing page, whether it's our profile or a website that they can send people to, showing them who they are, what they do, and the good work they do. Very interesting. And they can find that out at carriersource.io, can they not? Carriersource.io, yes. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Go over there, look out that double broker list. Go over there, look up the these marketing tools, especially if you know you're not getting those inbounds that you want. You might need a little marketing. You know, tree falls in the forest, nobody hears it, doesn't make a sound, nobody knows who your exactly. carrier is, right? And you know, the bad marketing is you don't want to end up on the double broker list. So make a good relationship. Don't rip people off. Be a good person and have a happy holidays. You have some announcements in the new year. So we'll have Rob back. You two can debate pizza at that time. But in the meantime, if people want to reach out to you directly. Where do, where do they go? Uh, they can reach me at Clara, C-L-A-R-A, at CarrierSource.io or on LinkedIn. Uh, would love to chat to, to anybody. We're also always open to feedback. Uh, we want to make this the best product it can be. Sweet. I, by the way, I don't see a carrier source ornament on my tree, so you, you might want to get on that. I did see your picture of the tree this morning, and I clocked to myself, I owe Dooner an ornament for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by. You have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Thanks, a happy Dooner. new year. We'll catch up with you soon. Take care. All right, let's take a look at a port for a second here. Let's do some cans with an ocean. Why? Why not? It's soothing. John J. Filson says, nice ship video for the loading process. By the way, West Coast Longshoremen, I know, do call them cans. Elsewhere, it never made sense to me, but every industry has terms that don't make sense. Try me on railroads sometime. I don't know. Like, I came, I started out in the Global 3PL side, and they were always called cans. I thought everyone called them cans. Maybe not. Reed Lucelot says, anytime I see them called cans, I think of the wire. You guys are going to give me grief, but I have not. I've never seen The Wire. I know it's on HBO. It's just one of those. It's like a daunting task when you see something that has like five seasons. I've never seen Game of Thrones either. I've seen half of the first episode. All right. Enough about me. Because we got Ben McCulley here, author of Read When Safe. What's up, Ben? Hey, Dooner. Pleasure to meet you. What's up? I like, I like the vibe you got going on in your room, like the lighting and everything. That's how I like to like when I'm around. I like to I like it to be a little dark. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I uh, I wrote a book on mastering the craft, and when you master the craft, everything's nice. Everything has to be nice. How did you ma how did you master the craft? How long how were you trucking for before you wrote this book? Uh, probably thirteen years. I took a break to uh, to do some sales, but then I got back in and uh, knocked it out of the ballpark. Now I'm a independent owner operator, and I created the perfect Christmas present for a truck driver. So anybody that can hear that's within the uh, sound of my voice, if you need a Christmas present for a truck driver, uh, there's, there's the book, but Hey, I wanted to mention your sweatshirt is epic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Aeroswag for, for making that. Um, anytime you try to put us on blast, we'll probably put you on a t-shirt. So watch your, watch your mouth people out there. We clap back around here at freight waves. Um, <laughs> I like it though. So when, when did you decide, like a lot of people think about writing books and that's, it can be a daunting task. Where do I even start? What, how am I going to go? So like, what was your process? how did you go? You know what? I've been driving long enough and I got some stuff to say. Well, you as a civilian, when you leave your station or your office and you go out of town and you see the city behind you, there's a mental snap. You, there's this road trip clarity that you get. And, you know, truck drivers are lucky to have that all the time. But I had a super snap 
and I, I was in Hawaii. And so I saw my little trucking world back in the upper Midwest from thousands of miles away in utter clarity. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll write a book. And uh, the jet lag was so uh, large there that I had all this time in the morning to to write it down. And I did it pretty quickly. I did it in 45 days. And there's a reason for that because one of the main tenets of the book is systems over goals. And I created a system and I got it done quickly. It's not perfect, but it's uh, it was done pretty quickly. I've been enjoying it. I've been listening to the audiobook. We have a few clips from it. The first one is talking a little bit about the Jake break. Let's take a listen. As you approach mastery, the synchronizing evolves into even further nuance. This with isn't four you, though, is it? Of engine braking. No, this Always is Paul McSorley. Break. Press your service pedal only at the very end. It preserves your equipment and encourages a smoother ride. Your 10 gears, combined with four jakes, produce 40 levels to paint your canvas. Depending on weight, as you go down a hill, increase and decrease your jake as needed, not your service pedal. Modern trucks are quiet, and you can disregard local signs advising of <laughs> no engine braking. I was going to ask you about that. What do you think about those signs? Well, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of truckers that have real loud Jake brakes, but, you know, by the numbers, there's not too many of those trucks. Uh, most trucks have quiet Jake brakes, but uh, yeah, I, I, when I was, I, I wanted a, a audio book ultimately, but uh, you had to publish a book, a book first, which turned out pretty cool, but I wanted Optimus Prime to read it. So uh, like it, Peter Cullen narrated. Yeah, exactly. So I, this guy's out of Cincinnati and he did a phenomenal job reading it. It just blows my mind how well he read it. And it's like $4, so it's a no-brainer. Just freaking get the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I got, I've got it on Audible. I've been, I've been listening to it. It's a good time. Let's do one more clip. So let's do the solitary clip. You guys in the back have the one on solitary. It's a big thing a lot of drivers face. This might be you the hardest to do a book. of competence to master. Solitary confinement is a punishment for only the worst criminals. Yet here we are stuck in our truck alone for days. First, realize that everyone, from the happy fisherman to the stressed-out businessman, from the farmer in the field to that prisoner in the cell, are in some type of prison. There is nowhere to escape to. The grass isn't green over there. By having this mindset, you immediately stop envying greener pastures. With this, we are all prisoners reframe, you begin to subconsciously devise ways to make yourself better, rather than fantasize about escape. You stop being a victim and begin being a creator. You stop being an NPC and become the main player. Your time on the road can be squandered in self-pity or used productively to win the game. What is your best tip yeah. for that? How did you? How do you keep your head in there? Because you, you framed it. I mean, you framed it in kind of a dark way, but at the same time, you're like, "Look, you got to empower yourself. You got to be the guy in the prison who's working out every day." Uh, I mean, the this book is kind of a meme in itself, and that there's just ridiculous <laughs> stuff. I mean, I, I, there's a chapter that's all dad jokes. But in the heart of it, there's a it hits a core truth, and the the time section is is paramount because the whole framework of the book is you stack pallets, you stack pallet stacks, pallets of competence. There, it's a playoff of Scott Adams' talent stacks, and with this time, you can make yourself a better person. Like all this coolness that i'm surrounded by i didn't sit there in a semi truck and just burn with with complaints all day the the best way to start to turn that mindset around is is to change the the general direction of where you're going and that's kind of what the whole book is is about but i i list you know from news to audiobooks to um to to writing all kinds of things but uh, keep you sane 
to keep you sane. But it's, you know, I think to to explain that hardcore truth would take a long form uh, format. Yeah. To to go over that. I yeah yeah. I, but, I, I, you know, oh, I got a question for you. Hit hit me with a dad joke. What? Well, you got a dad joke on hand? Uh, sure. My wife, she's always asking me why I always have candy. And I said, well, I always have a few Twix up my sleeve. Oh! Hey, here you go. A little cowbell, little cowbell for that one. Well, there's a lot of crazy stories in your book, and I had some questions of my own. So let's take a look at this bridge over here. I got a question for you. What is the scariest bridge or road you have ever found yourself on? Because this guy's is pretty bad. I mean, he's even a tractor. He's like a hotshot tractor. You couldn't even get a truck driver to do this. For you, oh, what man. is like you? What is your? What is your sketch? Oh, I can talk right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you know. Sometimes I make coffee while I'm driving, and sometimes I'm I'm peeing in a bottle while I'm making coffee while I'm driving. And if you do those two things during the while you're going through the tri-state through Chicago with the the one lane zones, you're like shaking hands with death at that time. So that might be the scariest um actually the scariest i can't say on air oh okay is that contra- <laughs> is it in the book no oh no <laughs> okay that's yeah uh... we'll, we're, we're friends now maybe we'll talk about it in the distant future you'll have to at least dm me you'll have to at least dm me i, I trust me i'm a journal i will not put your secrets out there if they don't want them so how about this like truck drivers you spend a lot of time in that solitary you ever stop by a really great lounge i mean most truck driver lounges aren't great but you ever been like this one has a movie theater in it yeah you know i've watched some football games and some lounges like that but i you know i'm coming at the the industry at the the complete opposite spectrum from what you think trucker is yeah you know there's everybody just not everybody but you know with the millions of truck drivers there are you know there's a lot of non-apportioned drivers there's a lot of you know illegal immigrant non-apportioned drivers that nobody even knows exists you know I, here in wisconsin there's a lot of way and brine and you know we're we're strapped on of the 15 liter cummins and we're driving trucks like some hardcore truck drivers but we're not driving, you know, here and there and everywhere. So uh, I, I, the the truck stop lounge and the far away from home, that's not me. And I'm and I want to help, you know, young lost souls that might feel that that's their future. That hey, you know, you want to be effective and happy and cool with style at home in a truck. There's a way. And if you read the book. All right. Well, is our tattoos part of your style? Have you ever gotten a a tattoo at a truck stop? <laughs> no, I'm uh you know, I got commitment issues. I'm a truck driver cuz I got a problem with authority. <laughs> and uh, you know, a, a tattoo is like like a boss you can't get rid of. So, I, you know, I, I'm I'm sometimes I get a little too philosophical, but uh, Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. I don't have any tattoos. You're selling a lot of copies of the book. Are they flying off the shelves? How how are you you getting it out there? Um, You know, I had when I when the audio came up, I uh, I let Scott Adams know who Elon Musk follows and he uh, retweeted it. And I let uh, Jack Basabic know and he retweeted it. And I sold like, I don't know, 50 that day but other than that it's kind of slow but i'm prolific i'm creative and it it doesn't really uh matter if i sell any books at all i had to get this off the chest off my chest and you know with my systems over goals it wasn't hard to do and also you know if you if you think about uh what you've spent on something or your credit or debt uh, and the passive income. So, you know, I might be negative 2023, 2024, but this is etched in stone forever. So if I pop off 50 books a year and 10 years from now, it's, you know, 
But that's that more than money, more than sales, it's an energy monster. Ben, oh, the keyboard cat is playing us off, but I want to sell some. This is like the perfect stocking stuffer, the perfect gift for the trucker that you don't know what to get or you do know what to get. It's read when safe. Go on Amazon. You can get it in audio. You can get the paperback version if you got a guy who likes to read on the throne. Find Ben at read when safe on X. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. Find this show at FW What the Truck. Hey, everybody, take care. Have a great weekend. We will catch you back here on Monday.